0: broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to In the Huddle, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Hope everybody had a great weekend, Raider Nation Radio, 9:20 a.m. It is a Monday. Welcome back. To DeMond Cotton, you know, DeMond, um, usually you don't know somebody's, like, true worth until they're no longer here. In your case, that wasn't the case. No, just kidding. In your case, that was definitely the case. So nothing, no disrespect to anybody, but there's only one DeMond Cotton. Thank you for everything that you do, and I mean that even more today than I ever have. Although we have some NBA stuff to talk about a little bit later, and we will get into that. Can't wait to get your thoughts on everything that happened in the NBA over the weekend. You know, somebody brought up, um, Damon, I think it was, uh, I forget who it was, a couple of people, where they were talking about, oh, the NHL uh, playoffs are so much better than the NBA this year, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'm like, okay, let me take a look at the ratings. Oh, my. I, okay, it might be better. I guess. I I, I I like the NHL. I don't love the NHL. Um, but to sit here and say that it's so much better. The product is so much. well, I'll tell you right now, that certainly isn't um, reflected in the numbers, the national numbers. I think if the if the Golden Knights were here in Las Vegas, they'd be doing, you know, selling like hotcakes right now. But they're not, unfortunately. But when you look at the national numbers, the NBA is just destroying the NHL. It's like millions to under a million on a nightly basis. So I don't get it. And I thought that there was some even with blowouts yesterday. There was a blowout, obviously. the The Dallas Mavericks went into Phoenix and took care of business uh, against the Suns in a blowout. But it was still fascinating to watch, Devon. It was like, how bad can the Suns actually play? How good can Luka and um, you know, his, his crew? And he got plenty of help, and that's what Luka needs uh, to go any further because they're up against it against the Golden State Warriors. But if Spencer Dinwiddie can play the way he did, and um, Jalen uh, Brunson. Brunson, who had a, a game, if those guys step up, then it's going to be a series, <laughs> you know. You know that you know Luke is going to do his thing. Uh, you know that some of the principal players from the Warriors are going to do their thing. It always, lesson to everybody. It always typically comes down to the role players and who shows up. Because, and we're going to get into this a little bit later. But everyone's talking about how CP3 uh, and Devin Booker awakened the giant Luca. He was already crushing them to begin with. His numbers were just off the charts. What I think actually happened. Was it got his teammates motivated because that's when they turned. He was doing his thing. Uh, no one man wins in the NBA, uh, an NBA championship. We could go all the way back to Michael Jordan when he was 20, it took him until he was 27 years old to win a f- his first championship. He got bounced six straight years. It wasn't because he wasn't probably the best player on the floor many, many, many times in some of those series that the, the Bulls lost. He didn't have the right team around him. There were other better teams. That's no sin or anything like that. Um, LeBron James wasn't—he tw- was 27 when he won his first NBA title. Had to leave Cleveland to go to Miami to get with a proper supporting cast. So, um, but it just shows you—it shows you that one guy doesn't get it done. And so, what I thought the Suns actually did was they didn't awake Luca. He was already wide awake. It was the other guys, the supporting cast. And as they showed yesterday, when they played. Dallas is going to be a tough out. I'm not so sure that Spencer and those guys, I love Spencer, Dunham since he was in high school, can can replicate that on a consistent enough basis against the Warriors.
1: Spencer didn't witty. Love for, Spencer. One, another thing that's curious about him, he got a contract incentive, an extra $500,000, activated his contract by the Mavs, reaching the conference finals. Nice. And I just think that that's, that's a real bet on yourself. To have that in your contract. Yeah, without because a doubt. it's like, hey, bro, you're on the Mavs. Right. And you're confident enough, hey, if we make it to the conference final, that's an extra half a million exactly. for me.
0: Woo. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. I thought the uh, the Brooklyn Nets erred in getting rid of him. Like him. Yeah, he would have been a great glue You know guy what I'm saying? Like I don't know depth. if they I mean, could have done Brooklyn, it financially. Me. I don't know all the details with that. There had to have been some reason why they had to move on from a really good player like that. But if those guys can play the way they did. And everyone seemed to rally around the leader Luca uh, after everything that had happened with. Um, we're going to. Marcellus Wiley was talking about this earlier today. All right, and I'm going to ask the question that he asked his co-host on his show. Okay, how good of a scorer is Devin Booker? A very, a very good score. Luca had more points than Devin in this series. How good of a rebounder is um, uh, Aiden, the six light? Le- he's a double double guy. He yeah, ever- he's
1: a, he's a, he's a clearly every season he's been like. Over, um, ten rebounds again. Luca yes. had
0: more rebounds in this series than he did. How good of a passer is Chris Paul? One of the best to ever do it. Luca had more assists in this series than Chris Paul. You know, when I hear that, and I was stunned to hear that. That's when I start thinking about Magic Bird, LeBron, Michael Jordan, because those guys—that's what they did. They filled up every stat line. Every one of them. Uh, and, and 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 the great thing is, this is what I love about sports. Professional basketball. If you look at LeBron, he's different than Michael Jordan. If you look at Michael Jordan, he's different than Larry Bird. If you look at Larry Bird, he's different than Magic. They so and Luca obviously is is different than all of those guys. That's the great thing. It's there. It it you don't have to be just one or the other. There's so many different ways that you can be that greatness can be um can, can come out. And Luca to me. And we're going to get into this a little bit later. He's that guy. And uh, I think that he's that guy. I think John Morant is that guy. Now it's just a matter of their two teams, the Dallas Mavericks and the Memphis Grizzlies. Because to me, when I say that guy, I mean, can you build a championship team around that guy? And I think you could build a championship team around John Morant. And I think you could build a championship team around Luka. uh, Luka. Um, And we'll see. So we'll we'll see. But uh, it was really fascinating to watch. What happened over the weekend uh, in the NBA? The Boston Celtics, got to give them credit, begrudgingly. They're back in the West in the Eastern Conference Finals. This is an organization that um, has, you know, they haven't won many championships, obviously. But, you know, consistently, I'm talking about recently. I mean, what, the last one was, what, 2009? It's kind of 11 years ago, 12 years ago. But they're always in the thick of it. This is, somebody put out the stat on how many Eastern Conference Finals they've gotten to. Um, Over the last decade or so, so they're right there. It's, you know, you want to win championships, obviously, and of course the Boston Celtics have won their fair share of championships. But man, just being there when you when you when you look at what the alternative might be, and the Lakers are are in that position right now. You'd rather be where the Celtics are, and they're consistently there. That said, I think that the Magic or excuse me, the uh, Heat will beat the Celtics, and I and I think that the Warriors are going to beat the uh, Mavericks unless the role players for Dallas just play out of their minds kind of like they did um, the last couple of nights, and specifically yesterday. Boy, that was just <laughs> a beatdown. I, and I got to ask you this other one last question real quick, Demon And I was starting to think about this last night. When was the last time the Phoenix Suns, especially this um, – uh, version of the Phoenix Suns, when were when were, when was the last time they ever had to be, they were the favorite and all the pressure was on them?
1: Like, like really? If you mean this version of yeah. the Suns, never. Yeah. Like and this team here, they basically, last year was their first year of being good. Exactly. Because they were the team in the bubble that everybody made the scuttle, but they won every game in the bubble. What's the point of, of getting invited to the bubble? <laughs> if, if that doesn't get every you someplace. Game, <laughs> I guess it is. But it concern. was, it,
0: it was ended up being their... The that was the jump,
1: yeah, that was the jumping off point there. Yes. You could tell that there was something bubbling when they got bounced from the bubble. right? And then you got Chris Paul making it to the finals. But but yeah, this window has been extremely small. It's only a two-year sample. But no, they they have never... This was the year where everyone was looking at them. They were the hunted. Yes. Because they were the first place team for all, this, all the regular season. So seasons. in
0: other words, all the pressure was on them yesterday in a must-win situation. And I'm always fascinated by how... Teams respond to that responsibility. And I, was it a bad night, Demon, or is this who they are? I mean, this is going to take a little while for them to rebound from, I think mentally, because that was just an epic collapse. I don't think it was
1: just a bad night. That's an epic bad night. Yeah, That's one of the worst nights a team could ever have. But bounce back? There is no bounce back because now this coming offseason, does DeAndre Aiden, does he get the max? Does he deserve does he it? it? I believe so yes because or sometimes you have yeah. to look at the numbers is this player producing not all oh, so much do you value right. big man or like is he, eligible? Is he contributing like, yes. like
0: like could you look at him almost because and 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 I say that because where the suns are right now um like like if you were if you were if you were 33 and whatever, you know, 40, 41 and 41, and you can't live without them, and you're 41 and 41, you could probably live without them. But at six, where they are, and with championships being at stake, can they win a championship if they let him walk? I mean, we, we don't even know if they could win a championship yeah, we we with him. We don't know if they can win a but championship. Certainly with him. not with him, right? So they almost are backed into a corner where they have to give him the max almost.
1: Yes, I believe so. But I do think that their window, like sometimes teams, they, you don't know when it's over. But I do think that they only had this two-season window because Chris Paul, as bright as a shot, as star as that he was, you know, but I think that star is dwindling for Chris Paul because he's going to be 38 next season, and I do think that his time is up. We saw in this see, in this series here where it might be injury-old, maybe now he's like, uh, there was a left quad injury that we didn't know about.
0: It's always been something with him. There's,
1: yeah, there's always something. And that
0: ain't getting better at 37 years old. Exactly. And here's the other part of that. I think John Morant and Memphis is coming. That train is coming. We saw that train coming this year. And it had Ja J- Morant stayed healthy, I think they beat – they ended up beating the Warriors, all right? You know who else might be coming? And it'll be interesting if Zion Williamson could ever get on the court. But you put Zion Williamson, like a healthy, effective Zion, and, and we've kind of forgotten about him. And sort of – that kind of happened with um, Joel uh, uh, Embiid. Uh, uh, you know, early in his career, he couldn't play for the first couple of years. Remember, you had a foot injury, so you kind of out of thought, out of mind, out of sight, out of mind. And then all of a sudden, he came back, and he was a difference maker. Hasn't translated into any championships, but he made a big difference. I think they've done wrong by him uh, in Philadelphia, and especially now, they should have kept Jimmy Butler. Why do you? I mean, in retrospect, that's the player you keep, and Ben Simmons is the guy that some you know they they should have traded him away earlier. But um, I, I, I digress. I think that Zion with the Pelicans, if he's as good as we think he is and he can just stay healthy that's a team that i think people are gonna have to contend with too
1: yeah i don't buy it
0: on in which end you have to see it but i don't see it you you don't you don't buy zion
1: yeah i do not buy zion i'm not buying into the zion hype Hasn't been healthy. Also, does he want to be in New Orleans long term? I'm thinking that I, all the signs are pointing to no. I'm wondering. I don't think every, so you if know, everything happened last year, the media isn't always lying on people. I feel like players always want to pit it. Oh, the media, you guys are making that right. up. You know, where you could see it was like, I don't want to trade. Oh, what makes you think I want to trade? You know what happened? That player is getting traded. But we always see these, the media isn't lying on everybody. No, no,
0: no. Of course not. Of course not. I know how that works too. So I, I could tell you, of course not. Um But sometimes minds can be changed. And I'm wondering if you're Zion Williamson and you're looking at the crew that you have there in New Orleans and you're thinking, you know, it's not the worst situation. At least for the next, you know, three years or so, he'd still be a young man after maybe that first max that, that he would sign. Um, and just give it a chance to see how – because I think, obviously, Memphis is going to be uh, coming. Dallas, if they can, can just build – the, a, a good team around who they've got they're going to be around for a little while and i my my the whole point of what we're talking about here is what you're talking about the window for phoenix be, between how old chris paul is right now and uh you know what what the, the window closing for them and the windows that are opening elsewhere i could even throw Minnesota has some work to do, but they've got some good young players over there as well, you know, so that could be a team uh, to keep an eye on. So, uh, you know, just a a bad night for the Suns, a bad series for the Suns. They played with fire by um, not taking care of business against Dallas when they had the chance. You're up 2-0. You have to close that out. Get That player and that team uh, out of town and go move on in the series, but they played with a little bit of fire, uh, and they got burnt. So uh, a lot to talk about with the NBA, obviously a lot to talk about uh, with the Raiders, and we're going to talk to some people um, about the Raiders uh, today. At 5 o'clock, we've got Brody Miller. He covers the LSU Tigers for the Athletic. He's going to come in uh, to the huddle and talk about Raiders rookie defensive tackle, Neil Farrell, who um, listening to some people, talking to some people, uh, you know, this is a player that could – carve out a role for himself earlier uh, rather than than later not saying he's gonna be a star player or anything like that but at that point in the draft can he come in and contribute to a to a winning situation and I wouldn't be surprised if Neil Farrell um, is that kind of a guy he's he's an ascending player who got better and better and better over his career at LSU and maybe he's uh, ready and primed uh, to be somebody that the Raiders can can lean on in a rotational basis uh, as early as this year Um, and 5.30, 5.30, we got Ryan uh, Sakamoto from the uh, Beast Rider newsletter. He wrote a nice piece, a couple of nice pieces about the Raiders and about the trade, um, the recent trade uh, for, for Jarrett Siddham. Uh, also, kind of what Dave Ziegler, the Raiders general manager, what he prioritizes, uh, what he looks for uh, in players as they go about building this team. And then, of course, got to ask um, the listeners and, and, and fans, I don't know if you caught Brandon Bolden's tweet this weekend. On? Did you happen to see what Brandon, the Raiders running back, tweeted? Did not. Fill okay, so he was like, it was one of those um, just thinking about what's to come and a uh, image... Of Willy Wonka from, um, you know, uh, the, uh, the Willy Wonka, the chocolate factory, saying the suspense is terrible. I hope it lasts. <laughs> All right. So obviously something's coming, you know, and I we don't know if it's Raiders related. Uh, we don't know if it's just something that's going on. Maybe he's getting ready to pop the question to his girlfriend to get married. I don't know. Maybe he's already married. Anyway, um, he was teasing something. Damon, Brandon Bolden was teasing something, and I have to believe, I have an inkling that it might have to do something uh, with something uh, Raiders-related. So is there a big move coming or just a move coming that is significant enough that Brandon Bolden, the Raiders' new running back, is as curious and uh, anticipating as Raider Nation uh, might or should uh, be? So we want your thoughts, 702-365-9200. What could Brandon Bolden— be talking about um, one, one thing that I will rule out right now. Uh, Cause I heard some sp- scuttlebutt about this uh, in Su, Dominican Sue, Dominican Sue, perhaps being a Raider. You could check that one off the list. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying uh, nothing against Sue, but I don't think there's a fit here. Uh, also. I don't think he's the best in the in a three, four defense um, regardless. So uh, that's something that I would just say, nah, that's probably not going to happen. However, The James Bradbury situation continues to linger and no news as we've talked about uh, for the last week or so. No news is good news um, for the Raiders because it could mean, and we've talked about this as well, that maybe James Bradbury is biding his time until everyone who has any money coming or or salary cap space coming uh, post June 1st. And the Raiders are among them. They have $20 million of space coming off the books here pretty soon. Um, And those teams, the Raiders included, will be in a much better position to be able to offer uh, James Bradbury something close to what he wants or or better than maybe some of the offers are getting. So is he waiting out the June 1st uh, designation for some contracts to come off the books by the Raiders or maybe even somebody else before he makes an ultimate decision on where he's going? I think it would behoove, uh, Devon, I think it would behoove James Bradbury to just wait. Because I think the Raiders have a lot to offer. You know, they'll have more money, obviously, to offer at that point, but I think this is a good situation for him, too.
1: Yeah, and I've been saying this all along where he's been waiting all offseason, essentially. So it's not going to hurt him a few more weeks for June 1st and see what's out there. Yeah. See what the offer is going to be. Right. His agents, I'm sure they're advising him well because there's not going to be any difference where if he were to sign a contract with someone on May 16th, as opposed to June 1st, because, like you said, more teams are going to be available right. to offer him that money. And who knows what that Raider deal may be. Might be a very competitive offer.
0: Yes, and, um, and also, when you look at the situation here uh, with the Raiders, if you're a cornerback to Cotton, I'm going to ask you to put your Jalen Ramsey uh, helmet on. Um, we love Jalen uh, here. Uh, yeah, One of the great characters. And a Tennessee kid. He's from Nashville. So he's got to be right up your uh, alley. I like Jalen. Very interesting dude to cover in a lot of ways. But anyway, so if you're Jalen Ramsey, okay, uh, if you're thinking along the lines of a cornerback and you look at what the Raiders have in front, up front, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, guys that can get to the quarterback. What does that do for you as a cornerback? Doesn't that?
1: Hold on, why am I thinking about Jalen Ramsey? In because this situation I'm though? just saying,
0: like your cornerback. I he to me, he's the best cornerback in the NFL. So I'm saying, put your cornerback hat on and 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 look at it through the lens of let's say a Jalen Ramsey, like cuz you 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 don't let me tell you this right now How you Jalen Ramsey would tell you right now that playing behind Aaron Donald has helped <laughs> even though he was really good to begin with he's even better with a guy like that getting after the quarterback that's what creates you know flailing passes or rushed throws it just it's it's a marriage between the pass rush and what you do behind that pass rush so if you're a cornerback You'd want to play on a team that can get to the quarterback more so than a team that can't get to the quarterback, correct? Of course. So,
1: but I do think that, yeah, as you, if you want to say those two edges that the Raiders have this upcoming season. Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. Yes. For me, as a corner, yes, if I'm looking at situations, gonna, yes, the yeah, situations exactly. that come into this this Raider organization here, and you see what's up front, yeah, you're going to be looking at your trials because that pressure is probably going to lead to a couple of
0: interceptions That's for you. That's what I'm saying. And even if James Bradbury were to sign a one year deal, let's just say, hey, uh, I'm not getting exactly what I want and think that I'm worth right now. Um, however, I'm going to go to the best possible position or situation in terms of potentially winning and potentially, um, you know, complementing what I do on the back end. I'm going to go to a situation that's going to put me in a really good position, Demon Cotton, to have a good season and then go remarket myself next year um, when, if you put together a really good season as a 28, 29-year-old uh, player, still right there in his prime, that maybe – uh, you know, he's able to go out on the open market next year in a much stronger position, especially uh, earlier in free agency because he missed out on that. Go ahead, Devon.
1: I was just going to say that I don't think that the Raiders, I wouldn't want another one-year rental. You saw that last season with Casey Hayward, and it worked out well, but eventually you got to have your number one corner that you're going to say, hey, this is our lockdown guy.
0: Yeah, and that it could be, that could also, um, working to the Raiders' advantage, too, because they'll be in a better position next offseason to potentially sign him to maybe a multi-year deal. I mean, if you're the Raiders, you probably would love to have him on a two-year deal or a three-year deal. Uh, but if you're if you're James Bradbury, you might be saying, no, I'd, I'd, I'd rather go on the... And it, if you're the Raiders, you would take that deal still, the one-year deal. Hope that he loves it here. You have the advantage of being able to negotiate with him before he gets the free agency. We're going to talk about uh, all of that, and uh, we want your calls. Um, and looking forward to talking about some NBA and uh, some new young Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Raider Nation, Radio 920 AM on a Monday. Interact with the show, text Vinny at 69187, or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Over the last three or so games against the Dallas Mavericks, so they have to, um, those guys have to come to play, and I don't know if they can. And here's the other thing: I think Draymond Green is going to be matched up with um, Luca quite a bit. I think there's more defensive ways that the uh, that the, that the Warriors can deal with Luca that the Suns had no tools in their toolbox uh, to be able to do. So I think the I, and I think the DNA of the Warriors is completely different than the Suns. We talked last night about, or just a while ago, in the first segment about how the Suns have never been in a situation like they were in last year, where all the pressure was on them, they got to deliver, and they responded like a team that had never been in that situation before, epically so. The Warriors have been there, done that. There's nothing that's going to happen in this series that they haven't either seen or dealt with uh, over the years, and I think that that combination is going to be a little bit too much for w- Luka and and for the Mavericks. So definitely, call overturned.
1: Oh, so you think that you think that the Warriors have better options on the defensive end to contain Luka than the Suns did? I th- yes, I do. Thought, I Because I thought that the Suns like the guys didn't come up to play, but I do think that their wings—you got Bridges, you got Johnson, you got Jay Crowder—I thought that they had the better wings to defend Luca because who on this warriors team? Draymond Green. Oh, uh, okay. I see him more as just like a a roamer, maybe post defender, but do you think he's going to put the clamps I, on Luka? Uh,
0: not necessarily. I mean, he's
1: going to get his. He's going to get his. You don't stop yes, the great scoring yes. of course.
0: But I think that he's going to be able to I Draymond is so smart and so savvy uh and so nuanced as a basketball player that I think that there's going to be some tricks that he's got up his sleeve, whether it's bodying up, being physical with um like I don't when I look at the Suns, you know, you you mentioned some good wings and, and some decent wing defenders, but I don't know if they are playoff caliber, like tough, have to be. You know, when you when you're getting up in on somebody, when you're when you're getting in their head a little bit, uh, when you're being a little bit physical, Draymond has all those tricks. And there's and and I think that also. Um, you know, with Mike Brown as sort of their defensive specialist uh, in Golden State, they'll figure out ways to team defend him too, maybe better than what the Suns were doing uh, as well. So I think that they're going to be able to slow him down a little bit more. He's going to get his, there's no doubt about it. Um, and then I also think that I can't sit here and say that those role players are going to respond the way they did these last couple of games. If they do, then the Warriors might be in trouble. But if they don't, and I, and I suspect... They're not going to be able to do it for four wins. Let's put it that way. Uh, and I think advantage goes to the Warriors as a result.
1: All right, Vinny. And let's move on because there was somewhere I want to play a little sound for you today because a star was born today off of Phoenix losing <laughs> oh, to the Dallas Mavericks. Patrick Beverly hear, yes. got to make the rounds today, and he put on a master class in Hayden. Let's hear a little oh, bit yeah.
2: of Patrick Beverly. Ain't nobody worried about Chris Paul when he played Phoenix Suns. Nobody in the NBA. Oh, what did I just say, though? And I'm just letting you know how NBA players feel I think. I, I believe you, but what I'm saying he's is. He's finessed the game to a point where he's he, he gets all the petty calls, all the swipe-throughs at the end. I mean, this guy is out, man. Are we going to be honest? Are we want to be really honest? Yes. He should have fouled out. He should have fouled out. The last game, too. You see the replay against Bronson. Hit him on the shoulder. Hit him in the mouth. Ref do don't call anything. If that's me, oh, review it. Oh, flavor one. If that's him, they don't call it. So let's not get it twisted, man. He should have fouled out. He can't guard. He literally can't
3: can't, guard. He can't guard. Yeah. He he can't. Chris Paul can't guard anybody.
2: Is that what you say? did you see that? No, he can't. Everyone no, knows no, that. Excuse me, excuse me. No, no, no. I don't know that. I haven't heard anybody tell me that. You, yeah, because you haven't suited up. You know, guys don't like to tell you all the truth. You know that. Because they true. scared. He, they he, scared. He, they he, scared he, what he, you to no, no, take no, with no, 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 no. He's you know, me, right about that. Care. They, will, I, they will lie. Yeah, I don't he will, care. He's honest. I'm they will lie. Too. That is true. He's not lying about that. CP can't guard nobody, man. Everybody NBA knows that. Everybody can. He can't guard anybody. What we call a cone. You know what you do with cones? Like when in summertime, you got a cone. You make a move. What does the cone do? Stay still. Exactly. He's a cone. Stop playing, man. Everybody that right. knows that. Everyone knows that. It's just y'all don't want to accept it. because. No, I don't accept
3: that. I don't. No, 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 I'm saying, again, if you're taller than them, you you can shoot over him. Obviously, that's an issue. But give him the but,
2: Ben Simmons slander. Give him the pg whoa,
3: whoa, 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 whoa. Give him the slander whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. that you give everybody. Come
0: I could go on and on with All that. All right,
1: Vinny. So, with that being said, I mean, Patrick Beverly had a lot to say about Chris Paul's play there. Does the call stand that Pat Beverly has the NBA bona fides to talk that talk about Chris Paul like that? Is he allowed to talk about Chris Paul like that? Does the call stand that Pat Beverly is in the same level to talk about Chris Paul like that? Call overturned. After further review, the player disqualification is reversed. And it goes so far that Matt Barnes went yes. on TV. And I've got the sound of I, that I, I, We you got to hear, hear this. it as well, yes. because Matt Barnes even had to say, he pipe down a little
3: bit. He's going to take a lot of the blame, as Ramona said. And it's, as Chris knows, he didn't play well from games three to seven. He played terribly, and he'll tell you that. But what I want to touch on real quick, RJ, is the disrespect I saw from Pat Beverly earlier today. You know, as, as, as reporters, you know, as part of the media, we have a job to be critical. But I think there's a, a thin line between being critical and disrespecting. And I feel like what Pat Beverly did today to Chris Paul was completely disrespectful and out of the line. And Pat Beverly's talking like he's that guy. You're not that guy, plain and simple. Chris Paul played terrible this year, and his numbers are still better than your career numbers have ever been. So I just think you have to understand, Chris is a 12-time All-Star. He played terrible. First time, uh, all defense, nine times, seven times, first team, all defense. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Pat Bev and I were similar type role players. They don't talk about us when we go. They're going to talk about CP3 when he's done. And I just think the disrespect we saw earlier today on the ESPN show need to be checked because he was way out of pocket. Yeah, no, he, he <clears throat> you know that there's energy between those two. Like yes. we've, seen, we've seen the push in the back. Yeah. We know about all that. And yeah, sometimes when you're in this position, it can be difficult to separate professionalism yeah, yeah. versus competitive. All he needed was the red clown nose because he was out there talking like a clown oh. today. And I just think Ooh. to me, again, the CP is a legend in this game. You know, I mean, we were role players in this game. So have some respect for guys. He did play terrible. He'd be the first one to tell you. But the shots that, that Bev took today were just out of pocket. I know no one else is going to tell him that, so I'm going to tell him that.
0: Love Matt Barnes. Uh, fellow Sicilian, by the way. I'm half Sicilian. He's half Sicilian. And you know what? He was speaking some truth right there. Yeah, Patrick Beverly, I, res- I have all the respect in the world for Patrick Beverly, the career that he's carved out for himself, the role that he plays. But for him to be the uh, the, the rally crier, uh, talking that about Chris Paul. And Chris Paul ha- obviously has his own issues. He's, what was that, the fifth time he's been on a team that blew a 2-0 lead? Five times he's been on teams that were 2-0 in the playoffs and they didn't win. So he's got his own little thing going on. But he's, he's way, way, way uh, above a, a guy like Patrick Beverly. And I, here's my thing. I think... I think Chris Paul, and I think we're going to find this out if we haven't already, I don't think he was completely healthy. And that's not unusual. It's one of the issues that he's had throughout his career, whether he was young Chris Paul, middle-aged Chris Paul, or a little bit older now Chris Paul uh, in the NBA. So uh, what we saw of him, especially those last three games, whatever physical deal he was dealing with, um, really, I thought, locked him up because... There's no way you go from the numbers that he had to what he ended up being having in those last three games without something going on. He was missing open shots, Devon. It wasn't like dudes were defending him and you know getting in his face. He was just missing shots that he normally makes. Um, so, yes, the call is overturned. I don't think Patrick Beverly, to me, not that he crossed the line. It is what it is, and it's all fun and entertainment. Uh, but, I, but I think it was a little bit disrespectful coming from a player of his caliber.
1: All right, and that'll just about do it for today's edition of Does the Call
0: Stand or Is It Overturned? And you are In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Damon Cotton, brought to you by Tequila in Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, on a Monday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Going to go out to the Raider Nation radio or Raider Nation. By the way, everyone, it's your time to buy or sell a home, and Realty One Group wants to be the ones to be part of your story. Yes, the housing market's hectic. But it's still a great time to sell and even buy the home of your dreams. You'll need a hardworking real estate professional to get it done, though. And they've got you covered. They know the market. They know the neighborhoods. They know the transactions. And they know they can do this for you. Realty One Group was founded in Las Vegas and has been their home for more than 11 years. They've been opening doors for their clients and opening doors for real estate professionals to live better lives. They are also proud to give back to their community, donating their time and resources to make an impact. Whether you are selling or buying a home Call Realty One Group today at 888-461-0101. Devon, uh, been talking about the cryptic tweet by Brandon Bolden uh, over the weekend and just trying to kind of figure out what might be uh, coming. And I guess at this point, you know, if you're looking at the Raiders and if you're looking at where the Raiders need to turn to uh, to get things buttoned up as much as they possibly can going into uh, a season with – High expectations, a season um, if things break right, some special things can happen um, and, and and this window I think is is, is wide open uh, for this team. And when you're in that position, I mean, this goes without saying, no matter what position, whatever your situation is, you know, once it comes down to it, you're trying to build the best possible roster uh, to deal with the season that is approaching. And I think in the Raiders case, uh, where they are and their stature right now and how they're being talked about and how I think they view themselves and the very realistic high goals uh, that are out there for them, um, it, it, it behooves them to be as strong and buttoned up as possible uh, to, to deal with that and to, to maximize this opportunity. Let's put it that way. So, Demond, if you're if you're looking at this roster right now, where are you looking at this moment to say we let's you know this needs just a little bit more buttoning up right now?
1: Cornerback and right tackle. I think that that James Bradbury all let the hype of surrounding the Raider fans of should the team sign him. I think it's warranted because I do think that this roster still does not have a number, a surefire number one going into the season. Rocky, I said, he could be that guy, but he would have to prove it. I think that if James Bradbury was added to this roster, that would be the, Hey, that's the number one. And then you could be the two, because as we've seen so far with Trayvon Mullen, he's having, he's had foot surgery this past yeah. off season. We don't know what he's going to be like when it comes to week 1. Is he going to be even healthy by then? All prayer all prayers out to him and hope so yeah, that he'll be back and course. healthy by week 1, but we just don't know so far.
0: Yeah, and and it very well could be that that he's going to be perfectly fine at some point whether it's to start training camp or a little bit further into it. Uh, but but right now given, you know, um the the surgery that he that he underwent, there's, there's no other responsible thing to do but kind of put a little bit of a question mark. Now, I think the Raiders in their building know whether that's a question mark in bold ink or maybe a couple of question marks or just a subtle question mark like um, feel pretty good about it but you know, still have to wait and see. But even – nevertheless, I still I'm, – I'm with you. Even with a healthy Rocky Yassine and a healthy Trayvon Mullen, I still think that – Bringing in one more guy uh, of a James Bradbury uh, caliber would be something that uh, I think that the Raiders should at least consider. I know that they are definitely uh, considering him. There's no question about that. Uh, whether um, you know, they uh, look at him in terms of the value and the money and whether that's enough to uh, to entice him to come out here and and meet whatever his demands are, that remains to be seen. Uh, but as we talked about earlier, if you're James Bradbury, and the fact of the matter is, wherever you look, if you're James Bradbury, money is at a uh, premium. You know, it's not. It's 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 not the beginning of free agency. This is where you know you talked about how he's been patient for the last couple of weeks, or not even the weeks, months really. In a lot of ways, he was actually in limbo, and because it was obvious that the that the Giants were either going to trade him or cut him. And all that time lost for James Bradbury as the Giants tried to figure out what they were going to do really cost him because had they just released him at the very beginning of free agency where everyone has all their money, you know, they did all that work to get themselves as far under the salary cap as possible. Uh, to go into that market where there's multiple teams with, you know, uh, ample money, that's the ideal situation. In in fact, and what happened for James Bradbury was the Giants just released him what, last week? Or, you know, maybe just a little bit over a week ago? Where all that free agency money has, for the most part, dried up. Especially among the teams that... Um, if you're, if you're in his shoes, you'd want to go play for number one or number two. Like if you're a team that's kind of middling around right now or, or at the beginning stage or maybe the halfway stage or the third of the way through on your rebuild, I'm not so sure you want to devote a whole lot of money to a James Bradbury at this point. You know, it's like, Oh, it'd be great to have James Bradbury for any team, but is that money well spent for a team that's trying to put things together? Okay, so between him wanting to go to a probably a winner, and if I'm him, that's what I would want to do, and teams that have a lot of money that might not be in that winning um, uh, window and don't really have a need to go spend a lot of money on a cornerback, uh, that's that's sort of a double-edged sword for him. So uh, the opportunities to make a lot of money probably aren't there, Devon, is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, his market, even though that we think that he's going to – Fetch, fetch a penny a pretty penny i don't think that there are going to be a lot of teams inquiring about his services
0: um well unless it's like really on a team friendly deal right and um yes. right and and so uh and and think of it this way nobody traded for him at but i think 13 that was a formality dollars. well i mean it is if you're thinking it isn't if you're thinking if you're thinking opposite of what you're thinking, which I think you have the right way to think about it. Because if you're a team that felt like there's going to be a strong market for him if he gets released, why not beat everybody to the punch by just going and get the player and trading for him and taking on his $13 million salary? Whereas what ha- actually happened was I think a lot of teams just said, A, we don't want him. We're not interested right now, not where we are on our, on our window. B, we're not going to give him that much. C, at that point, the money wasn't even there for a lot of teams to compete at that level. Uh, So I think what my bottom line is this, if you're James Bradbury, I think situation is going to trump the money at this point. And that's why I think, you know, if you could get a two or three year deal with, you know, 25, $30 million guaranteed, that'd be great. And that's something that he should absolutely consider. If somebody is offering that, I'm not so sure that he's going to be able to market that kind of a market. So, Go for a year and then go back out in the open market next year, and maybe and go to a winning team with a pretty good defense and a pretty good pass rush, and maybe that's the Raiders. Uh, that's that actually is the Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahader. Raider Nation Radio 9:20 a.m. on a Monday.